Hallelujah. Amen. We pledge our allegiance to the Lamb of God. Amen. How wonderful He is. What a Savior. Amen. What a Redeemer. As kinsmen, He will redeem us, take us from here, and He will avenge the world and those that have have done wrong against the children of God, even your enemy. He's not going to get by with anything because our kinsmen will be on his trail. Amen. I'm glad to be serving the Lamb of God today. Amen. I want to thank you for this opportunity to come once again, as I said at the beginning of the camp. This um, was 30 years ago that I came for my first time here to this camp. And... Um, not necessarily right here, but to Bible Way Camp. And um, so it's just good to, again, to come back again as we have through the years. And I just believe that God will speak to hearts and lives and reveal Himself in a wonderful way today. Amen. As we look to Him. God bless you. Let's just bow our heads together. Jesus, we're your children. And you are our Lord. And we love you from the depths of our heart. Father, we are here to surrender ourselves to you. To yield ourselves to your, to your word, Lord. And to just be a vessel that you could speak through today. Lord, as we come to the conclusion of these meetings. That I believe that you have ordained before the world began. And Lord, we, we are here uh, meeting together with your servants. We've heard our brother Biscoe as he shared his heart of things that has touched his life and what it's meant to him. Lord, I pray God you'll give him strength. Lord, that you'll just put your, your power within him as he, as we're here in the closing hours of this world's history. Lord, may we just be faithful to the end. We thank you for our brother Tom Ray, Lord, and his ministry and here to the church and the many hours and days, years of labor. We ask God you'll restore to him, bless him as he goes out from here and ministers in other places. Lord, we thank you for the outreach that comes through all the ministry here and the different ones of the ministry team, Lord, we ask God you'll bless them exceeding abundantly. Bless this church and Lord that has supported this, this camp meeting and had a vision. Wanted to see you move in the behalf of young people. Lord, oh God, may you prepare us all for that great youth camp. Where we'll all gather and there won't be one older feeble there, but we'll all be young. Lord Jesus, what a day that will be. May we look toward that with that great anticipation today. Laying aside every weight and sin that would so easily beset us. So we could run this race with patience. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. As you're turning to Exodus chapter 12, we're going to read from the first verse there this morning. And I want to thank you for all your kind hospitality. Amen. And we uh, also appreciate what we heard last night with our brother Timothy ministering the word of God. 
I know you were blessed by that as I was. Amen. And so we're, we're just, um, happy to, today though, to come one more time into His presence. We're looking to His anointing. Amen. To anoint us because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Amen. So we want that anointing upon our lives. And why don't you just ask God right now, wherever you are in your seat, Lord, break, break the yoke. Oh God, so send the anointing. Send the anointing upon my ears that I hear things differently from now on. Amen. That I've moved into a more consecrated, dedicated, sold out walk with God, a surrendered life. Amen. Not something to just last till the camp meeting is over next week, but something that is of eternal value. Amen. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side post and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh that night, Roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat it not, uh, eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it. With your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in, the, in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token. Upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood. I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast. To the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast. By ordinance forever. And turn with me to Numbers chapter 33. We will read from the third verse there. 
Numbers chapter 33, verse 3. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month, on the fifteenth day of the first month, on the morning, the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand. That means they went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them. And upon their gods also the Lord executed judgments. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. Try to make ourselves comfortable here for a moment as we just look into the good things of the Word of God. Amen. We're here in an hour, a day, and a time where we don't have to be told really that the death angel is in the land. And God is requiring a token the sign of the Holy Ghost, or otherwise the death angel will overtake you. In the message, Desperation, Brother Branham said, I would imagine the children when they saw those big wings drop down from the sky, like a smoke settling over the city, and the screens coming up from every house, and the children might have went to their daddy and said, Daddy, are you sure we're under the token? And he would go back to the door and he would look at the post and the lentil and said, Son, that's according to the word. And he says, but remember, Daddy, I'm your your oldest child. Are are you positive? I'm positive. That's according to what the prophet told us. And he has the word of the Lord. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Take a lamb for the house. And I brought all you children in. You're my oldest, but my firstborn. That's the one that's dying out there. But there is the blood. That's what thus saith the Lord was. So rest, my son. Rest at ease. Because God made the promise. See? Well, Daddy, why, why you got your shoes on? And why you got the staff in your hand? Why you got a piece of bread in one hand and lamb in the other hand? Why is them bitter herbs and things? What are you eating? What is the sweat running off your face about? Son, death is fixing to strike. See, it was a time of desperation. He could say, you know, son, you have heard the prophet's instructions. And his instructions was, take a, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And strike the lintel and the two side posts. And the blood, with the blood that's in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. You see, Israel was commanded to stay under that blood until marching orders came. And I want you to understand, that's something we must continue to do is stay under the blood. I can hear Brother Branham say to in the Israel and the church to his own congregation. This is back in the 50s. And he said, too many old timers are letting the blood get off the door. And I didn't want to say, I, I think it's an important thing to keep a fresh application of the blood of Christ upon your life. Amen. Upon your flesh. Upon, you know, because time changes and trends changes and you know, seasons changes and styles changes. But keep the blood. 
keep the blood upon every doorpost. The body, the spirit, or the, and the soul. Keep it a fresh application. Don't let it dry up. Say, so, well, I had it many years ago, Brother Jim. Well, it's time for a fresh and up-to-date experience with God. And there be a renewing of the Holy Ghost in your life. Because we cannot live in yesterday's experience. We must walk with God. And I want to just encourage you, put a fresh application. May have done it maybe 25, 30, and some of you parents, maybe 50 years ago. But it's time for a fresh and up-to-date experience with God. Are you with me? Amen. So Israel was commanded, stay under that blood. Don't move out from under that blood. Ah, oh, we got those who are so smart and intellectual. They've got ways they figure, well, the blood isn't sufficient anymore and the lamb ain't on the mercy seat and all kinds of supposed revelation. But I'm just telling you, don't you leave the blood. Stay under the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't go out from under it once, when once under that token, they were sealed in there. Don't leave that. They stayed right there until the midnight struck and, and the trumpets blowed. When the trumpets blowed, the old ram's horn began to blow. Each one marched out with his provision going to the promised land. I want to go back ten years ago to a theme that I had when I was here ten years ago back in 2009. And I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. And we will just review just for a moment as we speak about and we think back. Some of you were here 10 years ago. Some of you, maybe it was just a young child. If you're 20, maybe you were 10. Or, you know, if you were 30, maybe you were 20. And so on like that. But... As he said, know you not a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. If you, if you know the setting for this, that there were those in the church who were, who were living in sin and doing things that were wrong. And, and, and Paul said in here, this man was actually, um, living in such fornication and such sin that wasn't even, uh, wasn't even done that way among the heathen. Amen. But they were refusing to do anything about it. They wouldn't deal with sin issues that were laying there. And he said, he said, know you not a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Amen. I, I, I'm just going to say to you today, don't leaven the body of Christ. Don't bring your sin into the church. It's time that we become really sincere and really dedicated before God. Are you with me now? One little cell of cancer breeds another cell of cancer until it spreads the whole body. Amen. Keep the blood applied. Purge you out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us not keep the feast, or let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 
Now, Paul is teaching here that we are to continually keep a feast. In other words, we are constantly in Passover. Amen. Partaking of Christ the Lamb with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And we must keep this feast communing with Christ, not only of truth, but with sincerity. Are you with me now? Amen. Now, I, you know, I, I just want you to know this, this deals with me. It dealt with the prophet of God. Right? God would show him this very scripture himself. The Bible would open to right there to this, this passage of scripture. The other day I was in my church and I was referring to this because you remember, um, it was a part of the, the vision of the mamba and the binding of the serpent. Right? And if you can bind this one, you can bind all this under them. We want a power in this day to bind the death angel. We don't want it coming into our home. We don't come in into our lives. We don't want it in our church. And Brother Branham, he said, I need a confirmation from God on this. And the kids are getting up and I'm going to have to take them to school. And his wife didn't drive, so he would have to take them to school. And they're, they're stirring. Lord, I'm doing this as an emergency, but just take, let me just open my Bible. And he would take his Bible there. He said, let me find something here, Lord, if you just give me a word. And when he did it, it fell right open. And it fell, fell right open. Now, right now, mine fell over, over to Psalms. But when it fell open for Brother Branham, it fell right to this scripture. And God was calling him to a greater sincerity. Are you with me? Now, God is going to call a prophet to a greater sincerity. In order to bind the serpent. What about us who are facing the death angel in our day and our hour? And we see sin coming in on every side. What a much a greater requ- requirement of sincerity that we must have in this day. Right? And he said he was calling me to a fast or a feast with the Lord. And this is, this is the whole thing. If we're going to bind the enemy. If we're going to have power over the serpent. Come on now. Amen. If we're going to see the, the serpent bound. We're going to see death defeated. Are you ready for a rapture? Are you ready for an exodus? Well, if we want to see death defeated, there's going to, it requires a greater sincerity. A greater feast with the Lord. That's why I'm preaching to you this morning on being in Passover. Not just something we take once a month. Not some memory of something past. But something we are presently in. Are you with me? Something that we stay in Passover. Eating the lamb. Eating the unleavened bread. Until the trumpet sounds. Every one of us must remain in Passover. It's not just a feast of one day. It's not a, it's not just a, a Thanksgiving day. Amen. But oh, you see, we, we want to be able to bind we want to be able to bind that death angel. Because he's coming in on every side. His poison is venomous. He's after, he's after your brother, your sister, 
Brother Branham would see him in the vision. He said, I saw him. He was there. My, 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 he got after my friend. And, and he says, he said he would run. And he would run. You know, and he was jumping this way and jumping that way and trying to dodge it this way. And you can try to dodge it all you want to. But you gotta come under the blood. He said that, you know, I screamed out, God, God help my brother. And he said he turned to me and started coming to me. And he said, but was something was holding him off. Amen. That's what I want with me when the death angel, when the, when the snake, the serpent comes my way, whatever form he comes in, whatever temptation he comes in, there's something holds him off. Something won't let him come and touch my life that I don't have to run from the devil. But I've got a power on the inside of me. That has been given to bind the serpent. Not an antidote for his poison. A binding for he bites. Are you with me now? We want to be able to bind him. Because if you can bind him, you can bind all this beneath him. And looking back, looking back, you just look back ten years ago. We can see where the serpent bit ministers that used to sit on the platform. Amen. Deacons, trustees, many of our young people, people whose lives are wrecked and ruined today. Because the blood wasn't there. We can look back now and we can identify and say the blood wasn't there. The Holy Ghost wasn't there. There was something missing in that life. It's time past that all, it's, it's past time rather that all leaven be purged. And we come back to more sincerity. We often think of the Passover as a meal that would last for a day maybe. Maybe like our Thanksgiving. You know what? We just commemorate a memory of a certain event. But, you know, I, I want you to understand Christ is our Passover. And if He is our Passover and we are in Christ, then each day we are keeping the feast. It's not one day we're in Passover and the next day we're out. And it's a year later for another Passover. Or we got a communion service and we commune with God and we remember He died and we remember, we remember His death and we remember all of that's good. It's, that, that's a memorial. But this is not the Passover I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we are continually keeping a feast and in communion with God. Are you with me now? Now, in Passover, from the moment you get the Holy Ghost, how many have received the Holy Ghost? All right, you have the Holy Ghost. The blood's been applied. Hopefully it's been applied on all three places of entrance. Amen. On each doorpost and over the, oh, oh, over the, the lintel. Are you with me? Now on the body. On the spirit realm and on the soul. Amen. That we've been thoroughly baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not just our flesh, not just our spirit, but way down deep within the realm of the soul. Now, 
But the moment you get the Holy Ghost and that blood is applied, you are to be in Passover until the call to come out for the exodus. Now, until the trumpet sounds, you must stay underneath or behind the blood of the Lamb, feeding on the, on the Passover meal, making ready to leave. So you are in Passover until the day you leave. Death is in the land and we must have the token displayed within every aspect of our lives and the leaven of sin removed. Are you with me? Amen. Now, this is a manifestation that you are looking for. I mean, you know, some people, they want to speak in tongues and God will let you speak in tongues, but that ain't the Holy Ghost. That's a gift of the Spirit. Amen. You may run the aisle and you might get excited or, or you might have a feeling or, or you may have a sensation or you may have that. But what you're looking for is this. There's something takes place in your life. There's something that changes you. Your whole system, your whole spiritual system is made new again and you become a new creature in Christ. As the Bible puts it, a new creation. You're not the same you was. You're different. You're not the same old boy anymore. The same old girl anymore. You're a brand new species. You're a species. The world has never seen nothing quite like it. It's the highest of all species. It's the God life. Are you with me? Amen. Did you notice they wouldn't go to, they were not to go out anymore after the token of the blood was applied. Don't leave the house. Don't get out from behind the blood. Once the Holy Ghost is applied, you don't go out anymore. Amen. But the death is, and and you don't go out, but the death angel can't come in either. Hallelujah. The blood is a seal. And you're to stay behind the blood. Amen. In Colossians 3 and 3, Brother Brandon would often tie this. He says, for you are dead. And and that's dead to sin. Right? And your life is hid with Christ in God. (coughs) Now, in Israel and the church, Brother Branham would, would speak. He said, I'm glad to say, as Paul of old, before the king in the way that's called heresy. So worship I the God of our fathers. Hallelujah. Heresy is crazy. Foolishness unto the world, but glorious to them that are in Christ. And joy, death. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Hid away in Christ. You say, well, the devil come and got me. No, he never. You went out to him. The Bible said you're dead and your life is hidden. God through Christ sealed by the Holy Ghost. How could the devil get you? You went out. That's right. The, ne- the devil never got you. Amen. Now notice, he said that's what the church needs today. And this is from hidden life with Christ. is a hidden, consecrated life. You can't be diddle-dallying, dabbling along with the world and impersonating and acting like them and Hit with Christ because you're trying to fashion after the world. You're trying to live like the next church. Trying to belong to a better organization. 
wear better clothes and do so and so. That does not comply with Christianity. Christianity is a sanctified life. Hidden life with God through Christ sealed by the Holy Ghost. That's what the real Christian life consists of. Not how well you can do this or how well you can sing. That's all right. How well you can preach. That's fine. But that isn't it. It's a hidden life. A consecrated, the veil, the curtain dropped around you. And you're dead and you're buried and you're hid in God through Christ. And sealed in there by the Holy Ghost. The devil can't get to you. He can't do it. He's got to come through the same process you did. If he did that, he'd be your brother. So he can't get you. Amen. He can't, he can't come through that. You say, oh, Brother Branham, I received the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I eat the good things of God. Yeah, but you're in the outer court yonder. And that's the reason it don't hold on. That's the reason this year you're doing pretty good. And the next year you're back in the world. And this revival, you're doing fine while the revival's on. And when the revival's gone, then you're going somewhere else and out with the world. And you say, well, I hold the, I'll receive the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues. I shouted. That's all right. I have nothing against that. But why don't it hold out? That's it. That's what the world is looking at. That's what the people are saying. If you're professing this great high calling, then why are you living that way? You know, the best thing is to live a sermon instead of preach a sermon. Amen. Your written epistles, you can't do it in yourself. You can impersonate it for a little while. And I want you to get that. Some can impersonate it a little while. They can even impersonate it 10 years, 20 years sometimes. But at some time, they're going to manifest what they really were all the time. When I, when I manifest what I am, I want it to come out pure gold. Not some fool's gold. You better just consecrate yourself with God, to God and get on the inside and shut the doors behind you and burn every barrier there is behind you, every bridge and launch out. Amen. He said, I know it's the truth. I know it'll work. If it hadn't been for that, I don't know what would become of me. You can all want to say, well, look at that one and they failed. And look at that one. They walked away from the message. And look at that one. They, 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 they are now denying what they once believed. Well, I'll tell you what. Just look around here. Come on now. Amen. Just look right here. Amen. Five years, five years old, I gave my life to Christ. Fifteen years old, I've been preaching this message ever since. Amen. And I haven't lost my zeal. I haven't lost my desire. I'm stronger now than when I went out to begin with. You look over here at these venerable servants of God, and you can see stalwart examples who have stood the test of time. Amen. A real man. A real man of God stood in the pulpit and you might have looked at him a moment ago and saw him feeble. He's not feeble. There's an inner voice, an inner strength down on the inside that when troubles come, when problems come, he stood the test of time. And I'm telling you, you can get something real in your life. 
that'll stand the test of time. It'll crest through every wave. Amen. It'll go through every trial. And it'll come out victorious. Hallelujah. But the devil appoints you to dozens out here that started out and threw away their confidence. Amen. It's the night of the Passover. The death angel's coming. Darkness is worse than it was ten years ago. Darkness is worse than it was when I was here 30 years ago. Darkness is worse than when Brother Branham was here. And when he would look, as far as his prophetic eye could see, and he says, I can't see it going past 77. And now we have, that's as far as God would let him see. But now we have advanced past that into into many years of darkness. Amen. Oh my, years of darkness has now, we're advanced into deeper darkness than ever. The night is getting dark. And we can hear the sounds of the dying and the crying and and the carnage that is everywhere. It's in the the denominational churches. It's in the homes. It's in our politics. Would you, would you ever think, would you ever think that, 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 that that even, even our youth that was raised up on a pew would now become so dark and evil in their spirit, they would think abortion was okay? That pornography was okay to look at? That it's just some little sin. It's not some little sin. It's the death angel with a chokehold around your life. And it's brought insanity. You can't call it anything less than insanity. Night of the Passover. No one, no one of those true Israelis that have heard the message are out on the streets. There are no curfews imposed by the Egyptians, but there are no parties. There's no drinking. There's no carousing. All the Israelites have uh, applied the blood and have went in behind the door with instructions, don't come out till morning. Don't come out to the trumpet sounds. Stay under that blood. The Passover lamb has been accepted and it's being eaten. Leaven, a type of sin, has been removed. Their loins are girded, um, you know, about them. The robe, the robe taken and tucked into the belt. And, and, and they're getting ready for walking and running. Staff is in the hand. Shoes are on their feet. They're getting ready to leave. They're not staying in Egypt. Not another night. Hallelujah. Amen. It's been a long night. 
since he left the earth. Our man in Christ went and left the earth. Come on. It's been a long night. And we've had seven watches. And we're here in the seventh watch. But the night's about over. To where we're already hearing the messenger say, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. But gross darkness is upon the people. Preparations are being made ready to leave. Brother Bradham was saying, who do you say this is? We're in a critical hour, the world is. But the church, the real church, not the denomination, but the church itself is ready for the greatest triumph it ever made. The coming of the groom to the bride. This is the time of Passover. And you must have the presence of the Lord in your dwellings. You know, we have talked about three places of applying the blood. You know, the, 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 the two side posts and the lentils. Well, let me, let's just talk about, let's just talk about three different types of, uh, of dwellings just for a moment. The blood must be applied with, because the blood must be applied on the dwellings. Somebody with me? Alright, so the blood must be applied with his faith Upon the church. Come on. Upon your home. And then the temple of your body. Amen. It must be in the temple of the church. It must be the temple of your home. And it must be the temple of your body. Is that right? We got to have blood in the church. We got to have the Holy Ghost moving. We gotta have unleavened bread served in the church. Not mixed with dogmas of man. Somebody help me preach. Amen. We, we, we've gotta have it in our church. We gotta have it in our homes. How come we're letting every kind of sin come into you? You wanna criticize a pastor for what he lets go in the church? What about your home and what's going on there? And you're the pastor of that home. Are you with me now? Don't hang up. I got more to say. What about your own private life? Some of you can, some of you pastors in your home, some of your parents can have rules for them to toe the line. What about you, mom? What about you, dad? We need some examples. Amen. Don't worry. I'm not going to pastor you and you can say, I'm glad. I mean, we'll have our, our, our pastors back preaching later. That's great. And I'm not going to pastor you today. But if I get a little pastoral, well, that's kind of what I am. I am a pastor. So now, we, but we, we must have it done, as I said, to the church, your home, to the temple of your body. We are in Passover. And we will not leave it. Until we're called out of this dimension into the great exodus ahead when the trumpet sounds. This is a time of darkness upon the earth. A time where impersonations abound. 
I mean, you, you look back and you can say, well, they impersonated and they, they played the part well. Yeah. <coughs> Jesus would call them out in his day and he'd call them hypocrites. Now, that word has a little different meaning for us today than it did in Jesus' day. It simply meant an actor. Amen. He, he called them actors. He said, you, you, you know, they, they had plays and things that they would do and they would dress up certain ways. That wasn't who they were. That's the way of what they were portraying. And he said uh, about the religious system of that day, you're actors. And what the world is looking for is something real. We've seen enough Hollywood evangelism. We've seen enough fakes. We want to see real Christians. And I'm going to tell you, you can be real. You don't have, you won't have to put this on. You won't have to act it. It'll be something coming from the inside out. Your desires will be changed. Your nature changed. You won't be, you won't be a pig acting like a lamb. Amen. You will have been transformed by the power of God and every bit of sin nature taken out of your life. You'll be a lamb, not just from a wool put on the outside, but a lamb from the inside. Time of impersonations. You young people, I've been around a little while. You know, I I just caught the very edges of some of the divine healing movement. I was there just as a boy. Now, don't don't put me way back there because I wasn't. I'm a 54 model. I told Brother Tom, you know, he's older than me. Yeah, he's older than me. And Brother Tom is a 54 model, and I'm just 54. Ah, you'll catch that tomorrow. Sorry. I didn't know I was preaching to a bunch of bonds. All right. I'm loosening you up for what's next to come. Jameson Jambres withstood Moses. Do you know that's the repeat in the last day? Yeah. It's the repeat in the last day. Jameson Jambres withstood Moses. This is the Bible. It prophesied the last days. And Paul would say, as Jameson Jambres withstood Moses, so will these men who are reprobate concerning the truth. They will withstand. And there's been a withstanding of the truth in our day. I'm going to give you just a little bit of history. Because, you see, Janice and Jambres withstood Moses with their impersonation. You remember, you remember how they did it? Here Moses comes out and he's got a staff in his hand. He throws it down and becomes a serpent. And, and Janice and Jambres comes out and said, whoop to do we can do that too. So they throw theirs down. And they become serpents. Right? Now, I just, uh, just ask you now, how did that become a serpent for Janice and Jambres? Satan can't create. 
They were using the anointing of God to impersonate. And their purpose never was to deliver them and take them in an exodus. But their purpose was to keep them from the exodus. Keep them out of the rapture. Keep them bound in denominational systems. Somebody with me? Now, now, you know, they they were able here on this Passover night. Perhaps they were able to, with their impersonations, were able to convince many not to get under the blood. Oh yeah, they were persuasive. They, they could harden the hearts so that it wouldn't get under the blood. Are you with me? Amen. And so there, there again, they were able to convince many, don't get under the blood. First of all, lamb, a lamb was an abomination to the Egyptians. So they, the very thing that they sacrificed unto their God, the Israeli, was an abomination. Actually, Moses said, if they see us offer this abomination, what they're calling an abomination, he said, they'll kill us. Right? And so is your worship. Amen. So is the shouting, the rejoicing over our land. And his blood, an abomination, and a hatred to the Egyptians. They want to mock you and kill you and destroy you over it. Are you with me? Now, as Janice and Jambres, what an hour we're living in. Listen, we're living in a phenomenal day where God's in a message to prepare us for the, for this exodus. As I preach, Friday night, the message of the Exodus. Remember, the evening time message is to apply the token, the Holy Ghost. If you want to sum it up, Brother Branham did it for you. He summed it all up for you. The evening time message is to get the Holy Ghost. To get ready to leave here. Amen. To get prepared for a rapture. That's what our message is all about. This angel of God visited a little Kentucky preacher and done an unbelievable thing. (laughs) You're talking about extreme things that Brother Timothy was telling about that I was preaching. Bible days are here again. We're living in Bible days. Amen. And he... He, it heralded one of the greatest divine healing moves ever. And it was to attract our attention. To forerun the second coming of Christ. Are you with me? Remember down on the river, the Spirit of God came down and, uh, and, and spoke and said, Ask John the Baptist. I want you to never forget this. Ask John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming. You are sent with a message to forerun the second coming. Amen. You know when Brother Branham walked out on the platform in Houston, Texas, there, some a Texan, a big Texan raised up and, uh, with a, and, and began to, to, to speak in tongues and another man interpreted and it comes that the man coming on the platform tonight is sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ, even as John the Baptist was. 
Do you know over in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Anna Schrader, never having heard of this prophecy, gets up in the middle and gets moved by the Holy Spirit and prophesies from the floor as John the Baptist was sitting before around the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. This ain't something we made up. This ain't something Brother Branham said. This is something they wrote. Gordon Lindsay wrote it in his own book that he wrote of the prophetic ministry, witnessing what had gone on, that God was supernaturally moving. They knew. Even Jack Cole would say, William Branham was sent for dispensational purposes. 1946, an angel of God came. And just scarcely ten years later, as 1956 is about to break, right at the end, Brother Branham's considering his ministry. The divine healing campaigns has now attracted, forgive me, but many impersonators. Many who had, who, who just, who just heard about the angel and, and what God was doing and they began to run with it. Are you with me? They got inspired by it. They even would get anointed by it. And in 1955, Brother Branham comes home from his campaigns and and you find this in 1956. He tells about it, and 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 we, we you, if you look historically, it had turned back to who has the biggest tent, who has the most subscribers to their magazine, and it had turned all being all about preachers and their ego, and how big a kingdom can I build? You know, it shows the sign of unconverted men. It was unconverted disciples who said, Who will be the greatest among us? Who will sit on your right and who will sit on your left? Unconverted. Yet the man who met the angel, who was the most gifted and the most revered, William Branham, had no magazines. Now, it started out and they wanted to let everybody know what God was doing. And so, he said, one day I was praying and God gave me the name, the title, Voice of Healing. And it will rank right with my ministry, the voice of one crying in the wilderness and so forth. And I gave it the name of Voice of Healing. Yet William Branham had simply signed the magazine over to Gordon Lindsay. Let me just tell you, that magazine was was started in the very town I was born in. I went to the very church, Jack Moore's church. I attended that in meetings. I can point out to you today some of the offices where where Jack Moore's daughter, Anna Jean, who became Price, she she would type out. And, and, and write the stories and the accounts and they, they would bring back the reports and she'd type it up and they would put it in this magazine. 
And he simply signed it over to Gordon Lindsay. And he even gave his, the, his organization the voice of healing away. He signed it over to Gordon Lindsay along with his tent. And he would actually have to rent the tent from Voice of Healing. And yet, it had been paid with money. Offerings taken in his campaign. Brother Branham said in three witnesses, he said, I started, we, I organized a little paper called Voice of Healing. They still have it here. Well, I've turned, I found out then that it, there was lots of finances and things hooked up to it. And I washed my hands of that stuff a long time ago. So the Voice of Healing is not my paper. I have nothing to do with it. Not at all. That belongs to Brother Lindsay at Shreveport, Louisiana. And come to find out, I got into that. I, I thought I was getting out of organizations and I got into one. And it's just about still, it was still just almost organized down to every one of them in there. And I, I belong just to the Lord Jesus. And then I can come and go anywhere I wish to. And whatever He leads me to do, I can be free. This is, this is your prophet. I, I just want to be free to preach the word, to heal God's sick people. To tell them about an angel coming. I, I, I don't want to be bogged down with, with magazines and bogged down with, with, with a kingdom building. Just a little history for you. This man, William Branham, was so humble and so sincere. Some would say too sincere and too dedicated to God's service to manage an organization. They thought him too illiterate or perhaps naive or they want to portray him as too simple to build a huge kingdom for himself. They, they scratched their heads and anybody else would have built a kingdom with this. Oh, but he, he, he must have been too simple or too illiterate or, or too unassuming. Listen, the man was too dedicated. He wasn't interested in your money. He was interested in souls for the kingdom and to be able to preach what the Word said without worrying about a crowd. They thought him too illiterate, perhaps too naive or too stupid. I almost said too stupid, and I think sometimes they thought he was too stupid. That's the way they look at him. You can even read some of the historians. Too simple. He didn't know how to manage money. He wanted nothing to do with money. He just wanted to serve Jesus Christ. He wasn't looking at what he, the fame he could get for himself. Come on now. Amen. He didn't want to build a huge kingdom. The truth was, he wasn't in, king, in kingdom building and super egos. He gave up his own paper to voice of healing that God gave him the name of. He gave up his tent to Gordon Lindsay and Voice of Healing, then paid rent on his tent. A tent purchased with money given in his campaign. Listen, this man was one who met the angel and had a gift that set him apart and above all the other healing evangelists. And he could have been a multi, multi, multi millionaire. 
but he refused it. Amen. 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 In 1955, he would abruptly quit and go home because there was not enough money to cover his campaigns. There's too many impersonators drawn away the crowd. This one was in the tent, and, and, they, and this one was in the city before him, and this one was running here, and they had taken up the offerings, and they had the biggest tent, and, and we got to be, and you must come here, and this one, we, we, we are the man of the hour. 1955, he come home $15,000 in debt. At that time, that's equivalent to $130,000 in today's money. And and U.S. funds. During subsequent investigations, it was found that Gordon Lindsay was skimming off most of the money for his own use for the Voice of Healing organization. Wikipedia reports that Brother Branham made a salary. Now, this is their report. Now, I don't really know where they got their information, but this is what they say, that he made a salary of $7,000 at that time. While Lindsay made $80,000 to manage the campaign. Now, in today's money, Brother Branham made a salary of about $62,000 U.S. And while Lindsay pocketed $750,000 a year. And all of this went to the Voice of Healing Foundation, whose name he changed to Christ for the Nations. For his Bible school and the kingdom that he built. Lindsay had no gift of healing. He had never met an angel. He just knew how to accumulate money. And to ride on the wave of the campaign. Well after all if Brother Branham didn't want it. Might as well put it in my pocket. Because William Branham don't want money. He cares nothing about money. So we'll give him 7000 a year. I'll take eighty to manage. Can you imagine? The manager. I think this is, this is public. I, I'm not trying to defame him. The man's gone on. This is what, this is what they say. It was just like Elisha, you know, who refused the money from Naaman. Who was healed, but Gehazi, the servant, took it and became a leper. If Brother Branham didn't want the money, well, Lindsay did, and he built a kingdom with it. So you wouldn't that God had failed to provide. It was men with their own greed and agendas where you misusing the funds of the people. And by now the crowds were, were crowded, or the field was crowded with impersonators. And they were all touting the biggest tent, the biggest magazine, the most miracles, the most watched television programs. And they used those television programs to exploit them and advertise and to get money. And the man who was visited by the angel with the real message was pushed aside by the masses. Impersonators rose. Here Brother Branham goes out. The only one met by an angel. Old Roberts comes to see. Meets him there in Kansas City, Missouri. Comes to his tent. You think I could have a ministry like this? And Brother Branham prays with him. And off he goes with his ministry. Jack Cole comes to see. Oh, this is a 
phenomenal story. Let me just kind of tweak your interest just right now. The story, he went to the meeting as a skeptic. You know, he was a assembly of God preacher and he confessed later. He said, you know, we had the idea if it didn't happen by me, it wasn't happening at all. And we was hearing of all of this healings and miracles in this man's ministry. And he said, I, I didn't believe it. And I went to see if it was true. And he said, he said, uh, in the, in the prayer line, there was a man that came and he was blind without any eyeballs. And Brother Branham told him, said, within three days, eyeballs will form. I'm, I'm quoting you from Jack Coe's testimony. I'm not making this up. This isn't, this is right from his mouth. And he says, he said, William Branham told him, said, you know, that you will, you, there will be eyeballs that will form in your head in three days. And Jack said, I was a skeptic, so I said, sure, you know, and, and, you know, sure, you know, he just gets lost out in the crowd and nobody will ever know. Whether or not what he said is true. And he said, you know, so he was sitting there on the edge of the platform watching. And Brother Branham passed by as he, as he exits the platform. And he walks over and he just, he just, with his hat, his Bible, lays his hand right over here. Like that as he's going over and he stops for a minute, prays just a moment. And he says to Jack, you're not sick, though you've been run down from meetings. He said, don't, don't be such a skeptic. You'll have a ministry too. Oh, Jack said, I went walking out of there on the clouds. I was told I would have a ministry like this too. Well, anyway... You know, he said, you're not doubting. This is his words. You, you were, you were doubting whether this was of God or not. I want to tell you this is of God. And we're both fighting the same devil. Go on and continue in your revival for you're also called to pray for the sick. So Jack said, but you know, I had to find out for myself. So on the third day, I made it back to the meeting. And he said there, you know, in, on the third day, he said, I went and I found that blind man, and sure enough, there were eyeballs that were forming in his head. But he wasn't seeing yet. He said, but by the evening service, he was running everywhere, seeing as clear as anybody. Shouting the glories of God. I was a blind man, but now I can see. And then, then Jack Cole adds to his testimony, William Branham was sent for dispensational purposes. And I say, Amen. Well, Jagger's come to see before long. The field is crowded with impersonators. Oral impersonated claiming the power of God in his right hand and then turned off to a prosperity gospel. The planting of seed of faith in my ministry. Send me money and God will bless you financially. It was a disgrace. Wasn't about souls. 
wasn't about healing God's people. It was about getting your money. The very thing Brother Branham shunned. He would join himself to the Methodists, deny his Pentecostal roots. Finally, after, you know, having a vision of a 900-foot-tall Jesus, of which he was to build a hospital, and then, then just a little later, when he runs out of funds, this same Jesus threatens his life if he don't raise $3 million. And he's a laughingstock to the world. He sees, we see his folly. Jacko, he started out humbly enough. But I think his ego grew with his waistline. And in his quest to be the best, he went out to Oral Roberts' tent. Don't let me lose you. I'm southern, so I talk plainly. He went out to measure Oral Roberts' tent and walked it off and built one one foot bigger. So that he could tell having the biggest tent. I have the biggest tent. And then he, then he touted having the biggest magazine with the most subscribers. And Jack would be the first to die and was off the scene at 38 years old. Dying with polio. A.A. Allen began with his tent. He would be arrested for drunkenness. And finally was found dead at the age of 59. The police found his body in a room strewn with pills and empty liquor bottles. He died, according to the coroner's report of a 12-day investigation. Allen died from liver failure brought on by acute alcoholism. The coroner reported that when Allen died, he had a blood alcohol content of .36, which was enough to ensure a deep coma. O.L. Jaggers, another Assembly of God preacher, who was inspired by the miracles he saw in Brother Brown's meeting. No doubt these men would start out humbly. But seeing that he could be enriched by the crowds that was attracted and not having the angelic visitation nor the gift. He started promoting the sale of blood and oil that he got from a woman's body. And he sold it for the purpose of healing. And then he, he would market, um, uh, you know, vitamins from the Dead Sea. That would be what's to be held. And then finally, he was baptized into eternal life, claiming that once he baptized you, that you would never die. Now, if this wasn't enough, the Pentecostals started manufacturing the gift of tongues, impersonating it, and began to impersonate it by getting you down to the altar. And, and there, jiggle your chin up and down or beat you on the back or make you say, Jesus, until you, and you spoke into a confusion of language. Don't tell me. I was there. I know what happened. Impersonating the Holy Ghost. I remember my cousin getting the Holy Ghost. And I met him the next day. Uh, his name, his name, we called him Tex. I said, Tex, I heard you got the Holy Ghost last night. Yeah, but I done lost it. 
don't need a Holy Ghost like that. I need something that will seal me to the day of redemption. I don't want to just have a little emotional something down the altar and get up an unchanged person. That I've already lost what I, my, what I got the next day. Are you with me? In 1955, Brother Branham has the tenth vision and he was shown the third pull. I've got a purpose of preaching like this. I know you think I'm an old man rambling up here, but I'm a little sharper than you think. Don't give up on me yet. But in 1955, Brother Branham, right at the end there, he is, he has the tenth vision. He tells about it in 56, but it just happened right on the tail end of 55, early 56. And he was shown the third pull. And first he was shown, the first part of the vision was shown how the managers were mishandling the meetings and misusing the funds, that their emphasis was on money. He saw them, that they were taking, they, they confessed that no, there had not been an altar call given, but they had taken the offering. And Brother Branham said, when did money taking the offering become more important than lost souls? I'm trying to show you what a messenger that God sent with a message for an exodus. And so he, he chastised them and he said, when did it, when was it ever that money become more important than getting souls saved? And you know what they muttered in the vision back? They muttered, well, wasn't Christ left with twelve when he told them the truth? Hello? You tell people the truth and everybody leaves. You're going to reveal in the mystery and the seventy walk away. Things get a little bit stiff and a little bit hard and everybody leaves. They don't want the truth. And twelve stayed with him and one of them was a devil. Who would betray him? Somebody help me preach now. Stay with me. This, this was the demise of the healing campaign. I've thought a lot about it. Lord, you started out doing great things, but why? Because the emphasis turned to money, prestige, and popularity. Nobody who wanted to attract crowds and the masses could preach the truth. Troubled about the impersonators, he sought the Lord and he had a vision of the third pull. Where in the tent, miracles were performed in a little room, shielded away from the eyes of the impersonators. Right? Amen. Then he also saw that the church had to come away from carnality, impersonating the new birth, and, and were, they, and, and they, they were receiving an impersonation of the new birth. Of either Billy Graham's intellectual conception or the Pentecostal's fanaticism. And we're still dealing with those two, with those two sides of the speculum today. That if the devil can't drive you over here into formalism, he'll drive you over here into fanaticism. 
Now I hear that the only, the only animal that can walk a razor blade laid line is a tapeworm. Hello. You'll get it tomorrow. But those of you that are real tapeworms, that's the only one that's going to be able to walk the razor's edge. Are you with me now? Hallelujah. Now, so Brother Brandon began to preach on why Pentecost failed. He, you see, he, he said they wouldn't, hey, this is at their 50th year. Why has Pentecost failed? They wouldn't grow up in Christ, but they were just perpetuating their babyhood. What they wanted was Ephraim wanted to plant corn in Manasseh's field. In other words, everybody wanted a healing ministry for the money and the fame and the power that went with it. Everybody was wanting gifts and, and miracles and signs, but they were refusing to go deeper into the Holy Ghost. Into a consecrated, dedicated walk with God into a hidden life. Brother Branham, though, at that time, preached one of my favorite sermons, the impersonation of Christianity. That not only were the healing gifts being impersonated, but the Christian life was being impersonated by claims of shaking the preacher's hand and easy believism or either some fanatical sensation or manufactured tongue. And yet lives were not changed, but instead they were only cheap reproductions. Impersonations of the gospel. And what the true new birth was to do. And I want you to know, when you look back at the failures in the past, those were impersonators. They were cheap reproductions. He preached that hidden life with Christ, showing why people can't keep the victory. Their manna wasn't lasting. Their light kept going out. He pointed out that they had failed to come into the holiest of holies where the same pot of manna was that the original Pentecost had. Hallelujah. I want to tell you there is a hidden life. And there is that original manna where you can get the Holy Ghost just like they got in the, in the book of Acts. It's real. I know it's real. I've tasted of it. Amen. Every day I'm eating of it. It never runs out. It never gets stale. It never gets old. It never breeds worms and stinks. Hallelujah. Amen. It's fresh manna every day. Every day. I'll tell you, I've been preaching this 50 years. I've never left. I've never run out of something to preach. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. His power is real. Come into where the Shekinah glory of the light of the pillar of fire never dims or goes out. Come where there's, where a dead stick. Hallelujah. I know. I was that dead stick. But when I was brought into the presence of the Shekinah glory, Amen. Life came into an old dead stick. And I blossomed and bloomed and brought forth fruit. And so will you if you come into the, into the hidden life. He'll take an old dried up, weathered stick. 
And I'm here to tell you, some of you old dead sticks out there, you need to come into the presence of God. You'll bear fruit. He was showing that your life must be in Passover, in communion, sealed away in Christ, where you're sealed in and Satan is sealed out. Y'all got dinner time here? Do you have supper time? Hallelujah. That means I have a long time to preach. Now, to explain this hidden life, he took us to Scripture. And I want you to mark this in your Bible. And all you young people... I want you to make this a part of your, a, a part of your life. It's Ezekiel 36, 20, 25. We'll just start there. Now Jesus said, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. You're a master in Israel and don't know these things. You see, it had been prophesied in the word that a new birth would come. That they would be born again. But they had overlooked it. And, and here, here Ezekiel prophesies, and he said, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land. Hallelujah. Dwell in the land. Never leave the promised land that I give to your fathers. And this is so important. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. Oh, that's shouting ground right there. Now, Brother Branham shows that the new heart is your intellect. And it's a new way of thinking. You see, it's God enlarging the spirit of your mind. And start to make the Word of God believable. Amen. It's important to get a new heart. That old stony one that's against God and against His Word and against His promise. Some of it's so stony, you, you can advocate killing your own babies. And I'll tell you why. Because you're living in fornication. And you only want the opportunity or, the, or, or the, the, the choice to be able to kill the kid if you decide not to marry the man. I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what the problem is. People want to live in fornication and then have a right to try to kill the life and the consequences of it. Amen. Your heart is evil. I said your heart is evil. Not only is your heart evil, you're demon-possessed. Brother Branham shows us how that the new heart, though, 
makes the Word of God believable. The impersonation of Christianity, he, he explains, he says, God had to give you a new heart, not to pass up on a new heart. That's your intellect that you think with, a new way of thinking. And that's when he gave you a new way of thinking. That, yes, that's right. The Bible looks to be reasonable. I used not to believe it, but I believe it now. Now he said, there's your great revival. They say, sure, I don't want to go to hell. I, I want to accept Christ. That's good. But that's just your first step. Amen. Now that was Billy Graham and his revival. Amen. Listen, he, 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 his message is not a message of the Exodus. His message is how to cope down here in Egypt. Are you with me? This was Billy Graham, his revival. The Spirit of God was moving. Listen, it's an act of the Holy Ghost to give you a new thinking, to give you a new heart. And Billy was anointed. Let me just tell you, I, I, I sat one day, um, I was up in a cabin and, 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 you know, I just was looking to see, I saw an 80, 1980s uh, video of Billy Graham's campaign. And in that campaign, he decided, they had said, oh, it's the singing. It's the singing that's moving people's heart. And he determined not to even have any singing for that. When he come to give the altar call. Now I want you to think of this. This man was under such an influence, such a power, such an anointing. And he would speak. For he does, he has a rock star to come out and sing a song about Jesus. You know, because God can, God can save a rock star and you can still be popular and be a rock star. Then he has a coach over here that is one of the, the football, which is soccer. This was over in England. And so, you know, um, uh, so the, the, the head football coach, you know, he's making it popular. Great man received Jesus. And then, then he would, George Beverly Shea would come out and sing something like, How Great Thou Art. And then Billy Graham would walk to the pulpit. He would preach. A sermon, 30 minutes, and then he would give his altar call without any music this time, without just as I am, without anything. I want you just to come. I'm giving you, and tens of thousands of people got up out of the seats in the stadiums around and flocked down to the, uh, to the altar. What was he getting? A new heart. A new thinking. It's reasonable to think Christ died for me. I can accept Him as my Savior. and I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. But I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit is not a new thought. Although the act or the work of the Holy Spirit will change your thinking. A new thought. You know, we, we bring that concept right over into the message. And, and, and you must have your thoughts changed. Why, God's doing wonderful things. And, you know, God sent a prophet. Oh, that's believable. Uh, the seals are open. Well, I, I believe that. Serpent seed. Huh, 
Nothing. An apple sure don't make sense. And we give them knowledge and they receive it. But that's only the new heart. That's only a new thinking. It's like Billy Graham did. Gave them knowledge. Jesus loved them. Jesus died for them. And they accept that knowledge and believe it. What do they have? A new heart. I want. I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to make heaven. The word's reasonable. Now, Brother Branham said intellectual faith is what? He said that's what's the matter with our revival. See, that's your intellectual faith. He said, now here, Billy Graham, Jack Schuler, great men, Oral Roberts, great evangelists, all their calls have been made till enough to convert a thousand Americas. And the reason is only people are brought to an intellectual faith. If they go on just a little deeper till that faith would come down from the intellectuals and soak down in the soul, it would last. And that's the reason 80 Percent, ninety percent of the converts that comes in a revival is gone six months before it's gone. And he said they only have an intellectual conception, but when it becomes an experience of being born again of the Spirit of God, that anchors to eternity. And there's the intellectual side of the message now. It's a new heart and it's wonderful that the Word of God is believable. And we understand the great mysteries. But that still isn't it. Are you with me? Oh, I know, I know. You know, we can all say, well, faith to move mountains and healing and great gifts and speaking in tongues. Well, you can have that and not have God. But what about this then? And though I understand all mysteries... And have all knowledge. And yet not have charity. That's divine love. The basic element of the nature of God. I'm nothing. That's hyssop. I know there's some disagree with this. But that's okay. That's hyssop. Hyssop represents faith. The blood is to be applied by faith. We need faith. We need a new heart. We need a, we need a confession. In fact, it's got to be believed intellectually as well. Sure, you've got to believe it. Amen. But you can have all the hyssop you want. And you can wave that hyssop in the face of the death angel. And it won't save you from his wrath. The tribulation's coming. And you need faith just as Israel needed hyssop. But you must. Have the blood applied. Well, I know, Brother Jim, I got the Holy Ghost. I understand all the mystery. That's not what Paul taught. We want to do more than just change your thinking about the Bible and the Word of God. We want your heart changed. We want the nature of Christ to come in you. There's been many that profess to believe the message and could, could argue the seals and tell you the quotes and they walk right out and go back into the world and sin again. <laughs> Your faith wasn't given to you to accept a creed or, uh, or a statement of faith. Your faith, the hyssop without the blood is just hyssop. 
Believing the message is not enough. Believing the seals are open is not enough. Amen. Your, your faith is not in, is not to be in whether, well, whether I understand all the mystery, but that the blood was shed personally for me and I've applied it to my life. Listen, listen, we, we've done a fine job of educating our kids and they can, and, and some, let me just say, some of the kids even from my church have went out into sin and they can out argue theologians on a bar stool. But they ain't saved. Your faith must be anointed and plunged and dipped in blood. Did you hear what I said? Your faith must be anointed, dipped in the blood, in the Holy Ghost, and applied. The evening time message is to apply the token. Your faith striking the doorpost with hyssop that's not dipped in blood will accomplish nothing. It won't put a seal. There are spiritual Israelites today who claim to believe and have a hyssop in their hands but not a trace of blood. And because of this, you see the death angel all over them. It comes in their house with television, with Hollywood dress, with makeup, with pornography, with slothful, lazy lives, no desperation, no sincerity, and no dedication. Brother Branham would say in the message token, apply it, church. Now don't fail, will you? Now don't, don't, don't let the sunset. Don't, 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 don't rest day or night. Don't take no chance. It won't work, children. It won't work. You must have the token. You say, I believe. Yes, I go. Oh, yeah, I believe the message. That's all right. And that's good. But you must have the token. Do you hear, Bradham Tabernacle? You must have the token displayed. Without it, all your believings in vain. You'll live a good life. You'll listen to what the Word says. You go to church. You try to live right. That's fine. But that's not it. When I see the blood. That's the token. He would say again, don't come this this far and say, I believe the message. See, you've come somewhere. That's a great step. I believe the message. You obey the messenger. Come into Christ. You say, well, I believe every word, Brother Branham. That's good, but that's just being able to read. It's logic. I mean, take the message. Take it in your heart that you must have the token. The very life that was in Christ being you. When I see that. I'll pass over you. Now, the next thing he said was, I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you a new heart, a new thinking. I'll give you a a new spirit. Now, this is the other side of the pendulum. Are you with me now? Amen. You know, we have three doorposts, or the two doorposts. So you got one on this side and one on this side. One's a new heart, one's a new spirit. Okay? Alright? Now, the new spirit is not the Holy Spirit. 
That's when the seat of your emotions get cleaned up and made new. You get excited about the message. You, you shout and you dance and, and, and it's important to your overall experience. You need a new spirit. Are you with me? Amen. You need to be able to be enthused about the message and excited about Christ. Amen. It must be something we feel and, and we share and we believe in. But Brother Brandon says, I'll give you a new spirit. He said, now that ain't the Holy Spirit. And that's where the mistake's been made. A lot of people come to the altar to pray. And they get down there praying and praying. And they get to feeling a little better. And they might get up and go and jump around a little while. And after a little while, you find they just bounce, bounce, bounce. They never receive the Holy Spirit. No matter how much they bounce or they scream had oil run out of their hands or bloody faces or how much they spoke in tongues or how much they shouted or what they did. And that was nothing to do with it. That was only human emotions. Can I say it this way? It was the Holy Spirit exciting human emotions. Are you with me? Amen. But he said, that's the emotional side of the so-called Holy Ghost Church today. They get a lot of built-up fanaticism and run off over there because they disregard the Word. They can only go together. Oh, we had a great meeting. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said, you do that and don't bear the fruit of the Spirit, then you're in the new spirit. You shout and you dance everywhere and you go out and live the same old life. You're just in the new spirit. See, you can believe, have a new heart, and yet not have the Holy Ghost. You can shout, get a new spirit. And now your emotions are charged by the Word and still not have the indwelling spirit. But God wants to take you beyond what can be impersonated. You can impersonate and do it with all the other kids. Oh, I make Jesus my personal Savior. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. You, you, you can do it with all the other ones and shout when they shout and jump when they jump and get rejoiced over the song or even the preaching. Are you with me? Amen. And get charged. Whoa, I got excited. But God wants to, listen, that can be impersonated. Are you with me? Amen. But you, God wants to take you beyond what can be impersonated into a hidden life with Christ where the world and sin is cut off. Dead in midnight. Listen, you do this. You'll never have to hear a preacher preach against pornography. You'll never have to hear another preacher preach about holiness. Amen. The Holy Spirit will be on the inside of you telling you what's right and what's wrong. And it won't be an external law. Because that law is brought to tell you you're wrong and you're going to be penalized for it. You'll go to hell for it. But it won't save you. But when the Holy Ghost comes on the inside, it's an inside life. It lives from the inside to the outside. It brings your whole body subject to the Word of God. 
So therefore he says in Ezekiel 36, 27, And I will put my spirit within you. You see, the new thinking was an act of his spirit. The, 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 new, the new desire was an act of his spirit. But this is his Holy Spirit. I'll put my spirit. My spirit follows the new thinking. Amen. The word's right. It, it's right. I, I believe it's right. The Holy Spirit follows that. Comes after that. It comes after the new heart. It comes after the new spirit. After you just get excited about the message and you felt something and whatever, it, the Holy Spirit comes in. I'll put my spirit in you. Watch these words now. And cause you. The Spirit in you will cause you. Amen. To walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. When my Spirit comes in you. Listen, I can't live the Christian life. The Apostle Paul couldn't live the Christian life. Can I say to you, William Branham couldn't live the Christian life. Only Christ can live the Christian life. And when he puts his spirit in you, then it gives you the ability to put every devil underneath your feet. And it ain't you trying anymore. It's the Holy Spirit in you living in your life. And you shall keep my judgments unto them. And you will dwell in the land that I gave your fathers. And you shall be my people and I'll be your God. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember, church, you have to have a supernatural experience for that. Where you meet God face to face. Amen. As Brother Brandon said, no man has a right to call himself thus until he's talked face to face with God on a backside of the desert somewhere where he met God himself. And then all the atheists in the world could not explain it away from him. He's there. He know it happened. And every Christian should have that experience before they say anything about being a Christian. Your own experience. I met God. Brother Bradham talked to his nephew. This is 1965 in this day of the scripture. And he, he said, he said, Melvin, he said, I know they got a substitute today of being born again. Just shake hands with a preacher and put your name on the book. But friends, that's dogma. That's not a Bible truth. If it would be the Acts of the Apostles and Acts, Second chapter would read like this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the pastor walked out and shook hands with the, pre- the people. But it said when the day of Pentecost had fully come, at the inauguration of the church, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. That's how the Holy Spirit came the first time. That's how it comes every time since that time. He's God and He changes not. He said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every time the church ever seed the Holy Ghost, it come like he did at the first time under the same prescription. Acts 2.38, it never has changed. And it never will change. Amen. It's an eternal prescription. I'm trying to get... 
I've still got just a little ways to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you said that's what's the matter with the Pentecostal church. We live too close to Hollywood. We got too much of Hollywood evangelism instead of the old-fashioned type that digs down and cleans up and boils out and gets men and women right with God. You know that's right. I'm just that old-fashioned kind that likes the old-fashioned religion. That's the way I got it down at the altar with somebody beat me in the back till I come through. And that's what we need today instead of amongst this dry-eyed repentance and putting their name on the church book. You see, there is a hidden life where the veil drops. Amen. Sealing the world and sent out a pot of manna that never gets tailed. The light of the Shekinah glory that never dims or fades. And dead sticks that come to life. And become fruit bearing. Hallelujah. Where you no longer belong to the world or sin. Listen, Brother Branham tells us in the first seal, he said there's going to be those that go through the purging of the tribulation because they think they're under the blood, but they're not. And that's the whole movement that you can see that's out there and even right among the message people today. They're claiming to be under the blood and aren't. Israel was commanded to stay under that blood. You must stay in the house and you must not leave. From the slaying of the Passover lamb at Calvary until now, it's been night. This is why Brother Branham preached the church ages. And he said it's nighttime, candlesticks are lit, stars are out. And he tells you it won't be day until Jesus comes. The reason for the darkness, he says, because Christ left the earth. He's coming right here in the seventh church age, in the seventh watch. It'll be the the dead in Christ of all the ages will rise right here in the seventh watch. It'll be right here in the seventh watch. Brother Brandon said the seventh age takes the rapture. That's his last statements about it. We're here in the last age. We're in the last time. Is somebody with me? Amen. But don't go out till morning. Amen. Until, because the evening shadows are there and God's requiring a token. Daddy isn't there on the door. Mama isn't there. Pastors, have you applied it? Is it on the church? Is it on the home? Brother, sister, is it on your body? The token must be applied. Across the board. It's for the whole congregation. It's for the young ones. It's for the old ones. It's for the new that just come in. It's for everybody. Amen. God wants to do something in your life. And do you have something positive there? Daddy, why you got your shoes on? Why is your staff in your hand? Why are you got that piece of bread in your hand and a lamb in the other hand? What is the bitter herbs there? And things that you're eating. Why is that sweat running off your face? The death angel's coming. And we got to get everybody beneath the blood. Oh, yeah. Brother Branham said we played long enough. We went to church long enough. we got to do something. 
How is it we can see the other great signs and wonders done? And what about us? It should cause in a state of desperation that we are determined before God. The signs of His coming should bring this entire congregation when we read it from the Word. And the Holy Spirit said, go, certain, certain place, certain, certain thing will happen. Not, and not tell us what it was, but it would happen. And we go there and it happens that way. And the newspapers pack it, the magazines pack it, show the pictures of it, and come back here and these, these great mysteries hidden in the Bible opened us on a new field that we never knew before. And it perfectly blends into the coming of the Lord. Now I know what we want. You want a meeting like this for things to be one and done. I'm going to go to the altar. I'm going to feel the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get that experience. And I'm going to be done. I've arrived. I'm there. I'll just go about my life as usual now. I've done it. I've done it. It's one and done. I want to say to you, this Passover, the requirement for this Passover is more than the initial striking of the blood. It's more than just the, that first uh, apply application of the Holy Spirit. It's more than whatever happened to you in this meeting. You you can't just be one and done. Is somebody hearing me? Amen. No, sir. It it is to come in the house. Get behind that blood and go to eating that lamb. Amen. Get your shoes on your feet. Get your staff in your hand. Get your clothes on your back. Get ready to leave here. Because we're going out as soon as the trumpet sounds. Pentecost just wanted a one and done thing. If I can speak in tongues, I got it. The Baptists just want a one and done thing. I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. I'm one and done. But this Passover is not a one and done thing. It's where that you enter into a communion, into a fellowship, into Passover. And from that moment on, you are in Passover. And you've done a search. You've searched all through your life for leaven. You've searched for sin. Amen. You got rid of that sin. There's no leaven here. Amen. That's what it is. It's not a one and done camp meeting. That we're here and we have this for this year. It's not a one and done thing. It's, it's there. Is, is there any leaven in the house? Let's get rid of the sin. Amen. Amen. When you, when you see, when you see like I did at youth camp when a man stands over his own daughter and trying to call out a demon and the demon speaks out, but you have no power. Because you know about the television in your house. And he could make it shut up and bind it from speaking, but he couldn't make it come out. And we had to send him out of the room. 
Did you hear me? We had to send him out of the room and deal with it. And it came out. A demon that was trying to destroy this girl's life with suicide. Every kind of evil thing that was going on in this life. Do you hear what I'm saying? But the father had no power to cast it out. Because of leaven. We want the power to bind the serpent. But you can't do it with insincerity in your life. This man realized his mistake and he said, I'll go get rid of that thing. It's coming out of my life. It's coming out of my house. He turned around and he apologized to me as a pastor. And he said, I only had that for little sports and little this and little that. We didn't really do it. But he said, nevertheless, I've been called out. I'm going home and getting rid of that thing. I'll beat it in a million pieces. I'll get a picture back from him the next day. Of it beat in hundreds of pieces. Not He couldn't do a million, but he got He had that thing so beat until it was no more. What was it? Eleven was coming out of his life. Amen. The next thing, Xboxes are gone. Piles of videos and this and that and the other. It's time we clean house. Get rid. Get rid of those things that takes you away from Jesus. Get rid of the insincerity out of your life. Circumcise. Circumcise. Brother Brandon said, apply it. Get the short skirts, the television, the old magazines, the old two-story books. That was a true story. You know, that's why that gives you the excuse, you know, to gum down a lot of this stuff that's coming in the movies. Because it's a true story. There's a lot of stories that ain't worth telling. Are you hearing me? It ain't worth feeding on. It feeds a carnal part of your of your life, a beastly part. Don't forget your flesh is not converted. And you can't trust it. It's like I preached a sermon years ago. I probably preached it here at this camp. But I got it up in Edmonton when we went to Bount, Brother and Sister Hildebrand and I, Sister Marlene, Brother Harold. We went up there and I kept seeing these signs. And I read signs as we go along. I just kind of read them to myself. It's a habit of mine. And I'm muttering, don't feed the animals. And he says, he hears me say it. He said, well, some, some father saw this bear out there. And they want to get close. And it's cute, you know, feeding, you know. And, and so they wanted the child to feed the bear. And they forgot, they forget that it's a wild animal. So they put honey on the baby. And he holds his arms out and the bear took more than the honey. You get the picture. And I preached a sermon called, Don't Feed the Animal. Because your be your flesh is always animal. Has a carnal side to it. You cannot feed it. You cannot trust it. 
in your life and it will destroy you. It'll destroy your home. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your kids. It'll destroy your marriage. Because you feed the wrong things. Unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Lamb is what you're to be eating on. Amen. The Bible's clear. It's specific. The whole lamb. Amen. You know, don't cut it apart. The Methodists, they only want certain parts of it that they'll serve. And, and it's the Bible. And the Baptists, they only want this part that they'll serve. But said, serve it all. It was to be served from head to tail with the pertinence thereof. The unpleasant parts was also. Some things are unpleasant. Well, I've got to wear my hair this way. i got to do this. I can't do this. I, some of it's unpleasant. But it's all the Word. It's all the Lamb. And we don't pick and choose. And we don't divide it and separate it. We eat the whole Lamb. And when it comes to this message, we don't start pulling it apart. And say, well, this is his, his opinion here and this, his thought there. We just eat the whole Lamb. The good parts and the undesirable parts because God wants us to eat it all. Eat all of it. Don't leave. It's all good. It's all good. Whole lamb. Not pulled apart. Not a bone broken. Roasted with fire. Amen. I said roasted with fire. Amen. And ever, and ever, can I bring it down again? Every person, there's gotta be a fire. Every home, there's gotta be a fire. Come on, somebody. Every church, there's gotta be a fire. No, we don't want wildfire, but we'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Amen. But let me tell you, we want a controlled fire. Fire that leaps around the lamb and roasts it. You don't eat it raw. And there's a problem that we're having in our churches today. We ain't getting it hot enough. There ain't enough Holy Ghost coming with that word. Amen. To bring it to the right temperature for eating. And the children are being served cold creeds. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. Gotta get it to the right temperature. Gotta have a fire there. Gotta have the wood of the word. Are you with me? Amen. We get up the Holy Ghost fire, get to moving. Begin to cook that lamb. Bring it there. Don't eat it raw. Come on now. Don't eat it undercooked. Get the Holy Ghost all over it. That's the problem in your life. You're eating lamb, but you're not getting it cooked. You're not getting there in the presence of the Holy Ghost and bathing down in the presence of God and praying until your soul comes into His presence. Get a fire roaring. 
in your soul. Get a fire roaring in your home. Get a fire roaring in the church. Come on now. It's all a part of being in Passover. You can't have Passover without the fire. The death angel ain't going to pass over. Amen. Just with your initial striking. You're going to have to be in Passover. Don't eat it sodden with water. That's what's happening with many of our churches. Amen. Building it there, you know, with, with, with you know, sodden it with water. You know, I, again, don't do it with sodden with water. Sodden with water because you can soak the lamb and flavor it. Put any kind of flavor and the lamb will soak up the flavor of whatever you put in the water. So if you want a Methodist taste or a Baptist taste or a formal taste or a sensational taste, whatever spice you want to put in it, you can spice that lamb up. But the way the lamb is to be spiced is with the fire. And that makes the juices run. Hallelujah. It gives a nice seared flavor to the lamb. Are you with me? Amen. You can't soak the lamb in any kind of doctrine or man's own idea. It's dangerous to misconstrue the message. We got men today think that they can read between the lines and interpret the message. We don't need them. Denominations are built on that. Amen. We've got a message. Are you with me? It's a pure message. It was vindicated by God. And it doesn't need to be cooked in your water. Flavor up the way you want it done. Makes a bunch of carnal believers who like Lot will barely escape the burning of the tribulation and can never live an overcoming life. Oh yeah, you know, I'm not sending all them hell. Brother Branham said in your hand is a pocket, pocket of chains there. And he said there's pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, and silver dollars. He said God's got all kinds. And he said he can use a penny. He can use lot. And he's got a place for some of them over there. But let me tell you, friend, he had to go through the tribulation and barely escape the burning. And he saw his daughters there defiled and he said, and what Sodom had done to him, to them and his wife turned into a pillar of salt. Forever frozen in a certain direction looking backwards. But yet God can use you as a lot. But you can be a silver dollar. Why not be a hundred percent? Who wants to be a penny? I don't care how shiny it is. And you can be a silver dollar. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. So we're we're coming down. We're we're getting down to a close. There's a lot more things I could say. So now, God comes down. The immortal spirit of God becomes your personal savior and changes you. And throws your views right toward, straight into Calvary to this word. Something's happened. No one will have to tell you about it. You'll know when it happens. Amen. Everybody passing by can see there's blood being applied. 
Amen. Throws his faith to Calvary. Now your view of sin is different. Your view of abortion is different. Your view of pornography is different. Your views of movie and television and temper. I mean, all of this matches the views of a crucified man who's dead to the world and now believes the word. The Holy Ghost will save from sin. It'll save from homosexual spirits. Spirits of perversion. There's a power that is able to save our young people from the death angel. Amen. It's the power of an inward life. It'll save from homo spirits, from pornography. It'll change you and make you a new creature. Amen. It'll make a man act like a man and a woman a woman. Make a real lady out of her. Amen. It's the bread of life. Your thoughts, your, your thoughts will change. Amen. You'll look now at that woman there. You won't think she's pretty. You'll think she's a Jezebel. That behind those red lips is poison fangs that will sting him. And the Bible said her gates is the gates to hell. And a man walks into them like an ox going to his slaughter. But now you'll think different. Amen. That, that, that cheap dirty woman or that stuff that's out there on the internet won't attract you anymore. You'll have a different view of that. You'll have a different memory than that. When you really come to Christ, amen, you'll remember that drunken party back there where you whipped it up and had a good time and you'll remember it different. You'll never think about things the same way anymore. Amen. Oh, yeah. This is the time of Passover. Death is in the land. Churches are under attack. Do you know there's a hundred churches a day closes across America? Every day. People just abandon them. Nobody wants to go to church. It's been so much impersonations and fake until nobody wants to go no more. The young people want something real. They won't go there. Even they... (coughs) Are you with me? Amen. The death angel is bringing sin and and sodomy, perversion, abortions, assisted suicide. The list goes on and on. And even message youth and adults are said to be in pornography, self-sex sins, ungodly movies. They've opened themselves up to demon possessions. Mm-hmm. Amen. We got some trying to hold a youth conference where the Holy Ghost is rejected, but they're desperately trying to help the youth, but they don't want the cure for sin. We'll just treat it. You know, you can't help, but we'll be what you are. We'll just treat it. I want you to understand our churches is not to be a treatment center. We are not offered a treatment for sin. That you just kind of live with it. It's a chronic condition. Sometimes you're better. Sometimes you're worse. And we preach another sermon. You get a little better. And we'll pet you. And baby, this is not a treatment center. It's a sin cow. It gets down against the root of sin. You must be under the blood. Amen. It's more. 
Let me, let me just say it's more than getting it on your flesh and you quit cutting your hair and painting your face and smoking or drinking. It's more than getting it in your spirit realm and having your memory and senses purged. It brings you into an intimate fellowship. So it's a soberness. But yet there's a joy going on. We're not just eating this soberly and sincerely, but we're eating it in joy. You know why? Because this is the last night in Egypt. Hallelujah. Can I tell you again, this is the last night in Egypt in the morning. We're going home. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, Daddy. Daddy. That slave master. You know, he was the firstborn. But tonight, Daddy, he'll be dead. He'll never threaten your life again. He'll never whip you. Tonight, his whip will lay silent. He has beat you for the last time. That hand of that devil will never beat you again. We're going home. Hallelujah. And we're not going to be slaves there. There won't be sin. There won't be sorrow. There won't be death. And I am having a celebration right here in my Passover because I know this is the last night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you remember? You remember Pharaoh's head task master? His name is Sin. You remember him, Daddy? He made you smoke. He made you drink. He abused you with drugs. He made you stay up all night addicted to porn and the video games. Remember that chief slave master with his whip. He fed you that stuff. You know, that anime, that Japanese video games that you fed on violence and pornography and sin made you lazy and stole your time and robbed us from being a family. And made us dysfunctional. He's gonna die tonight. Tomorrow, we're going to be leaving here. And Egypt is gonna be busy burying their dead. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the night of the Passover. And Father is taking the slain lamb into the house. Are you with me now? Amen. He's taking the slain lamb into the house. The blood has been applied. Glory to God, the fire is lit. We're taking it. Are you with me? Taking the lamb. The lamb has been killed at Calvary. Somebody with me now. They took From head to tail, they took a skewer and run it down through from head to tail. They took it sideways and opens up his cavity on the fire across. And there he's on the cross. 
with the word warming every part of his being, cooking it right to the right temperature. Oh. The blood has been applied. You know, there's something different about this lamb. There's no skin on it. Hello. It's been unsealed. Come on. That was the only thing that came off the lamb was the skin. The seals have been taken off the book. Amen. We're not eating a lamb with skin on it. We are eating a lamb that has been unsealed. So every bit of it could be exposed to the flame of God. Somebody helping me preach now? You still with me? Moses says, a lamb for house. Enough for lamb for house. Mama said, you know what the prophet said. That's an awful big lamb you got there. Moses said, enough for a house now, daddy. And you got a big lamb there. Daddy says, mama, you're forgetting something. We ain't leaving anybody behind. I'm still believing that somehow... Our children are coming in. Hallelujah. So I have selected a lamb big enough for the whole family. Even for those who are out there in sin. That their children, the prodigal, can come home. And there's another lamb. No matter how deep they've been in sin. No matter how far they've stayed out there. I've got a lamb big enough. Hallelujah. I've got a lamb big enough. Hallelujah. Somehow our children are coming home. Amen. You know that with Israel being a people in slavery. You know how that would be. Maybe you don't. Maybe you never thought about it. But you know every little pretty... Israeli girl would be taken at will and forced into being a sex slave, taken out of the home of her parents. Are you with me? But but let me tell you, it's the last day in Egypt. Are you with me? In a moment, there comes a knock on the door. Amen. A knock on the door. It's not the death angel. Ah, uh, he's not coming near the blood. No, who is it? Better let whoever it is in the house. Amen. Because nobody should be out there in a night, on a night like this. Well, who is it? Oh, 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 it's sis. It's sis. She just, she just coming in. Oh, daddy, daddy. You, you the slave master sin. You remember that night? He drug me out of the house. And you and mama was screaming and crying. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Save my girl. Don't let sin get him. Don't let sin take her. And he drug me out. And he made me his sex slave. Well, I've been sneaking on her online. And I've been listening to that Cloverdale Bible way. And I hear about a camp meeting where God is delivering His people. And I 
heard about cancers leaving and brain bleeds being healed and cripples walking and barren wounds are receiving life. And I slipped away tonight because I hear that God is delivering his people. Hallelujah. Oh, sis, why you got that Egyptian paint on your eyes? You know you're not an Egyptian. Yeah, sin did that to me. You see, sis, why you got those Egyptian clothes on? You look like a whore. Oh, yeah, sin made a whore out of me. And I sold my virtues out there. But you know what, Daddy? Give me a rag. I just walk behind that blood and all that pain is coming off. Give me back my Hebrew garments. I'm not a slut, a sex slave to sin no more. Sin has no more dominion over me. Hallelujah. Here comes another knock at the door. Watch out. Can it be the death angel? No, I don't think so. He won't come around the blood. So who is it? Better let whoever's in, out there in this house. Nobody should be out there on a night like this. That's what I'm saying. You can't stay out on a night like this. Why, it's our son. The pastmaster dug out of the house. Come on in, son. Death is striking. And you're only safe under the token of this blood. Yeah, daddy, I heard news came in from the message hub. Hallelujah. And I heard God has sent a message. And he's delivering his people. Hallelujah. I have heard that the prophet said we're leaving in the morning. And I just couldn't stay in Egypt any longer. And tonight I snuck out of sin's house. Well, he set me up with a pagan girl. And I left my old girlfriend behind. Oh, but son, you can't come in here and stay in here with them cigarettes. There ain't no living allowed. I know, Daddy. But when I came under the token of that blood on the door, they left. Drugs left. Alcohol left. Daddy, pornography left. Perverted spirits are gone. Hallelujah. They all left when I walked under that blood. Amen. Mama said, Daddy, you're right. We needed a big lamb. Because we're all going. We're not going to leave a hook behind. Not going to leave my brother. Not going to leave my sister. Not going to leave my children. Not going to leave my husband. Not going to leave my wife. We're all going. Hallelujah. Passover joy. Passover joy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. What are we having tonight, Daddy? Lamb. Amen. What are we having tonight? Roasted lamb. Amen. What television program are we watching tonight? Roasted lamb. We're not an Egyptian home. We're under the blood. And under the blood, lamb is served. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Amen. Hold on just a little longer. Amen. I'm going to give you everything I got. And then you give back to Christ everything you got. Are you with me? Can you imagine the night of the Lamb, the Passover? 
tasting the sweetness of the Lamb. The unleavened bread, the awesome presence of Jehovah in every dwelling. No longer hearing the message intellectually like we've done for the past 50 years, but getting the understanding. And it's changing us, maturing us, ripening our faith, laying in the presence of the Son. Brother Branham would look back in 1965. He said, I believe we are intellectually hearing the message. We need to lay in the presence of the Son and bring a maturity to this church. Amen. And I I just want to say, we've heard it intellectually, but it's time we get it in the presence of Christ. It's time to become mature men and women of people who know their God, who do exploits. This is the last night. There won't be another day in Egypt. We're going home. Church ages are over. We're finished. The last messenger's come. The prophet gave his message. We're leaving as soon as the trumpet sounds. But we're not getting out until morning. We're not coming until the trumpet sounds. Are you with me? Amen. But we got a little problem here. We got a little problem. I want to read you a scripture. Can you bear with me just another moment? I'm driving some points home right now. Psalms 105, verse 36. Underline this in your Bible. Contemplate on it and think about it. As David would say, Selah, Selah. Pause and think on this. (coughs) Psalms 105, 36. He smote all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. Oh, listen. He's going to get every chief devil there he is. And if he gets the chief, he's got everyone underneath. Come on. Serpent. Amen. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not a feeble person among their tribes. Is anybody hearing me now? There was not a feeble person. Oh, did we hear it? Not one feeble person among their tribes. Did you get that? Amen. Do you believe that they crossed the Red Sea on dry land? How many believes that? Do you believe Jonah lived in the belly of the whale for three days and night? How many believe that? Amen. Do you believe Lazarus came forth from the grave after four days? Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus rose from the tomb after a brutal crucifixion and and left him lifeless and he rose? Well, then believe this too. He brought them forth. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. Hallelujah. There was people there with on their bed dying with cancer. Unable to, to lift a cup to their, to their lips anymore. There was a little old granny, maybe 97 years old, and unable to even walk anymore. How's she going to get to the promised land? Amen. How's she going to go with us? We can't carry her all the way. 
But we ain't leaving a hook behind. We ain't leaving the sick and the infirm and the weak. We ain't leaving the old people behind. Are you with me? And yet they can't go. But I tell you what, Granny, you're over here in bed. You hadn't got out in, in three years. You've been bed fast all this time. But oh, here, let me get you a little beef of this lamb. Just take a little bit of this word. Granny begins to chew on that. Swallows that down. She says, I'm feeling better. I believe I can, I can swing my legs on the other side of the bed. If y'all just help me, I'll sit up and eat. Here's another bite of lamb and some more unleavened bread, Granny. Here's a little more of the word. Chew it up good, Granny. Swallow it down. It'll give strength. After a little bit, Granny gets to eating that lamb. They didn't leave her behind. There wasn't a feeble one left. And out of that bed she came and she was skipping and running and jumping and she said, I'm on my way to Canaan's land. Amen. If you don't go, don't hinder me because I'm on my way to Canaan's land. The sick, the infirm got up out of their beds by eating on the lamb. I'm telling you, this lamb will heal cancers. It'll replace, it'll heal brain bleeds. I don't care if it has to recreate. It'll recreate. It'll turn the old back to young again. Amen. Brother Timothy was telling you last night, I preached there on God doing some extreme things. God's doing extreme things. Bible days are here again. And there was a little sister there with her lungs full of cancer. And she jumped up out of her seat. Ran around and around the church. Went back for a scan the next day. No cancer. Hallelujah. Amen. William, stand up. That was his mama. Amen. That was his mama. Hallelujah. Amen. Bible days are here again. There's a lamb we're eating on. It'll heal cancers. It'll heal brain bleeds. It'll create new cells again. It'll make the lame to walk. It'll put eyeballs back in a blind eye's head. It'll take cataracts off of your body. But Atlanta got a bite of that lamb and away and around she went. Hallelujah. We even got baby Drew to get a portion of that lamb. And he rose up. Most children, you know, totter around and, and crawl around and, and learn to steady themselves. This child got up out of the middle of the floor for his very first time to take a step and ran all over the building. Healed by the glory of God. Are you with me, church? He's Jehovah Jireh. It's Passover night. What's these bones about? Well, that's Joseph's bones. And we've been going by that casket for 400 years. And we're going to say one day we're going to the promised land. 
Because the prophet said, when you leave, take me out of here. Don't leave my bones here. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know, Brother Branham said, every, every Jewish slave would walk by that casket. Put his hands on it and said, one day we're going to leave here. Beat, torment, hurt. One day we're going to leave here. He said, we Christians, we got an empty tomb. And we look at it and say, one day all the tombs are going to be empty. Hallelujah. Brother Branham said, them on the other side, under the altar, said they are looking to the heavens, even as the, the Israel looked at the bones of Joseph. He said, so the saints there are looking toward the heavens. He will come back to us. And together we'll go back to earth. I'm trying to tell you, even our loved ones that we put in the grave, we're not leaving them behind. These bones shall live again. Hallelujah. Amen. Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For discorruptibles must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So that when this corruption shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying, Death! Death, the death angel is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. I've seen it happen right here at this camp where many of you experienced that in these services. Death, the death angel that swore to destroy your life was swallowed up in victory. We're in Passover. It's time to have a celebration. It's time to rejoice. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet and give praise to God. It is time to give a rejoicing. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what God has wrought. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for every soul. Thank you for every healing. Thank you for delivering your people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give Him praise now from with all your heart. It's time to rejoice. Time to rejoice. Mama, rejoice. Daddy, rejoice. Your children's coming home. We're going to have a celebration. We've been waiting for this moment. Hallelujah. There's going to be dancing and shouting and victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. My son that was lost is coming home. My daughter that the slave master took out is coming home. And we're going out in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Oh, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.